Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Here we are at midweek and Independence Day Eve. So we get ready for the big holiday celebration and big plans for the upcoming weekend, starting early, four-day weekend for some. But whatever your plans are, please be careful. Make sure it is a safe holiday as we remember what this holiday is all about and the independence of our country. We have plenty of challenges, plenty of issues, plenty of problems, but it's still uh, the best place in the world to be living, and uh, we have a lot to be thankful for, those who have served, those who have sacrificed, those who continue to do so. And uh, as we celebrate, let's think about them and also think about ways we can work together to address some of these uh, problems and issues that we deal with on a daily basis. But so glad that you're with us today. We're going to be talking markets with Steve Nicholson. He couldn't be with us yesterday, but will be with us today from uh, Robo AgriFinance. We're going to talk about market information and uh, his outlook, and we'll talk about crop progress. Uh, we'll talk about the controversial numbers late last week from USDA and to get his reaction to them. Uh, USDA now saying they will resurvey, will get more information uh, before that August report and try to get a more accurate uh, picture. We'll talk about that as well with Steve Nicholson coming up and also, of course, the trade news uh, coming off the G20 summit and what uh, is going on with China, Japan, USMCA, and how that impacts markets as well. Wheat harvest underway in Kansas, and we're going to get an update from the CEO of the Kansas Wheat Growers. Justin Gilpin will be joining us to tell us how things are going, what he's seeing, what he's hearing with the harvest this year. And, um, of course, they had some challenges a while, not too long ago with some uh, weather issues, but um, there are also some pretty good yields out there. And Justin will be giving us an update on that as well. And also today we're going to talk with the CEO of the American Soybean Association, Ryan Finley. He's just back from uh, a trip to Europe, uh, had a conference over there. We'll talk with him about that and also get his thoughts on uh, the trade issues. China supposedly going to be buying uh, more ag products, and you would think that is going to be uh, including soybeans. And uh, we will uh, talk with him about that and get his reaction as well. So all that coming up here on today's program. First, though, we're going to check in with Rusty Halverson. He is the farm director with the American Ag Network and uh, out in North Dakota. He joins us now. Rusty, thank you for being with us. How, how do crops look around the state of North Dakota? Well, I tell you what, Mike, we've been getting some good rains around here. Some guys up north still need a little bit more, but uh, especially the wheat and barley crops greening up really nice. And there's, uh, there's talk that uh, maybe with all the moisture, might want to start about uh, uh, start thinking about uh, fungicide applications and whatnot. So we we are definitely into the spray season for for the small grains and for several other crops too, just like a lot of guys. So uh, how, overall, how do things look after the slow start? Well, I think uh, 
We are a little bit behind on uh, most crops and also on our, our forage and hay, too. I think we're a little bit behind for development. But uh, with some of these warmer days that we've been seeing this past week and a uh, warmer uh, outlook ahead, I think we're going to catch up fairly well. And so I think uh, there is some optimism out there that, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to beat that first frost that's always in the back of everybody's mind. Especially in a state like North Dakota, uh, that's always on your uh, growers' minds anyway, but especially this year, right? Yeah, definitely this year because so many guys got a late start. And also up in the Canadian prairies, they've been having some better conditions. They were quite dry, and up around my home country, around Wolford, North Dakota, is... Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, they were really begging for rain, and boy, did they get it, because I went up there to an antique uh, farm tractor show at the Dale and Martha Hawk Museum and talked about rain. In fact, uh, Sabrina and I didn't even go over there because we knew the mud was going to be so bad that we left it to the professionals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I believe I've been there before. That's uh, that's quite a place. Yeah, it is. It's up uh, northeast of Rugby, North Dakota. And uh, when we talked to some folks up there at one of our radio affiliates, they certainly remembered you, and they're very appreciative that you actually came up to that show as seven, maybe seven or eight years ago, I think they said, yeah, Mike. It's yeah, been a, it's been a while, but I, I really enjoyed it. Very interesting. Well, I hope I didn't get you into trouble, but we kind of promised, <laughs> we kind of promised <laughs> that we might be able to convince you to come back someday. Because <laughs> well, they, I would they like love to do having that. You. Yeah, yeah, they loved having you. <laughs> yeah, had a lot of fun there, really did. Uh, so other than watching uh, weather and, and crop development, uh, mm-hmm. what are you hearing is from farmers? What are, they, uh, what are they talking about there in your state of North Dakota? Well, one thing that was on the radar recently is like a lot of states, we've extended out that dicamba spraying date. Uh, because so many guys got a, uh, a late start, and the, uh, the local officials, uh, North Dakota State Ag Commissioner Doug Goring and others knew the need was there, so they did the common sense thing, and I think a lot of the grower or- organizations and producers are, are very thankful that they did that this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, that a lot of people were watching that closely. That, that, that was a good decision. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's been applied in other states too. But I guess you'd uh, you have you heard any uh, any damage reports or anything like that, Mike, from some of your sources? Have not heard yet this year. Yeah, um, yeah. But I, you know, I heard from growers too that were glad there were extensions in their states. Uh, but yeah, I guess we'll be watching. There, we've been focused on so many other things, oh. other problems oh. this year. We'll, yeah. we'll see. Uh, if that comes up uh, this year or not, if that becomes an an issue. Yeah, I mean, uh, the docket has been full for all of the weather issues we've had and then the compressed time frame for trying to get all the work done. And now, I mean, it's it's crazy. Like I said, we can only hope for a good fall harvest season, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Hey, what do your what do farmers say when talk about USMCA? There you are close to Canada. Yeah. and uh, this is such a big issue. What are they saying about it? Well, generally, uh, we're pretty supportive of it. Uh, for the most part in this part of the country, there are some uh, cattle uh, fellows. Uh, RCAF USA, you've probably heard of them. They have had issues uh, with our, our Canadian trade relations in the past. So uh, I would say there's a broad support for USMCA, especially among our lawmakers. I think they want to see it get done. So uh, I, I think there's a good support around here because, uh, like you said, we're so doggone close to being our northern neighbor. There's a lot of two-way trade that's going on. And one thing that folks are excited about, I think, is Canada is going to begin uh, uh, treating our wheat fairly in the eyes of many U.S. producers and U.S. wheat associates and the way they grade our wheat. So I think we're making steps in the right direction. So uh, happy about that for sure. 
It will be, though, a political volleyball throughout the summer, and we'll, we'll see how it all plays out. Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. Rusty, uh, you and Sabrina and everyone there at the American Ag Network, have a, have a great Fourth of July. Yeah, you as well, Mike. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. All right. Okay, Thank talk you, to you later. Rusty. You bet. Rusty Halverson, Farm Director for the American Ag Network. All right, coming up next, let's talk markets with Steve Nicholson with Bravo AgriFinance. He's been traveling quite a bit the last couple of weeks. We'll find out what he's seen as far as uh, how crops look in various parts of the country, his thoughts on uh, those recent USDA acreage numbers, and much, much more. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Recently on Adams on Agriculture. You know, very unlikely doesn't mean not. Doesn't mean it's not going to happen. So uh, I'd say if there's a, you know, a swim chance in there or a glimmer of hope that we can grab onto and uh, hopefully push them a little harder. And, you know, it's going to take help, though. We got we to gotta have a lot of folks uh, pushing this thing and, you know, making sure that they want to they want to move this now and and not wait for that after that August recess. So, you know, like I said, hopefully we can get folks motivated to, to pass USMCA, and we're going to be working hard as NCGA and myself and others to uh, make sure we're out there doing the job and and pushing them. But um, it's it's going to take a lot more effort than that too to to, to get these guys to move off a of, off a of center on this one. Hopefully, some positives will be coming soon. Thank you very much for the update. Appreciate it. Hey, glad to be on this morning. Thanks a lot. Take care, Kevin. Kevin Ross, President-Elect of the National Corn Growers Association. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Bad theater seats, cheap Halloween masks, my apartment, all things with obstructed views. Add to these large trucks and buses. 18-wheelers and large buses have big blind spots, and like my apartment, they don't always have the best view. Bus and truck drivers deal with blind spots around the entire vehicle. Always take care not to ride alongside or too close behind them. Our roads, our safety. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with an SPF of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay? 
isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, we had hoped to talk with him yesterday. Couldn't catch him, but got him today. Steve Nicholson, Grain and Oil Seeds Analyst for Robo AgriFinance. Steve, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Mike. Sorry about yesterday. Yes, good to talk to you. Yeah, you've been uh, you've yeah. been traveling a lot the last couple of weeks. Uh, what have you seen as far as crop conditions? Yeah, not not good. I think we'll just put it that way. Uh, we've we've had a chance to join to look at the the Eastern Corn Belt, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, and as you go progressively west, it gets it gets worse. And and you know we'll start in Illinois, and you're sitting in Illinois, so you know what's going on there. And it's variable at best. Um, I would say that. I won't say that all the fields have gotten touched, but there's a lot of fields haven't been touched in Illinois. But there's a you know a corn that's everything. When I was there two weeks ago, and I'm sure it's a little higher now, but it was everything from you know uh, waist length, you know waist high to just two leaves out of the ground. And then if you even had one of those fields that was pretty, you know, pretty waist high, you know you'd see a lot of variability. And you start looking over the top and a lot of holes in it. Um, didn't see many beans in Illinois, but they were planting feverishly when we were there. But as you go east and you go to Indiana, and it gets progressively worse, you see a lot more fields that haven't been touched. Um, you see a lot of water standing in fields, and then you and you see corn there. Um, versus Illinois, it's a lot. It's really consistent in Indiana. It's all short. It's you know two or three leaves out of the ground, and that's about it. But then you go to Ohio, and it's 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 very sad. Um, I would say 50 percent of the fields hadn't been touched or hadn't been planted. Um, there was there was some corn. Uh, we did definitely saw more beans as we went farther east into Ohio. Uh, but I tell you, it's a it's it's very sad and discouraging for those of us who have lived around agriculture for all our years. And you know, planting season is a, is a season to look forward to. And you know, we look forward to seeing those crops on the ground, and, and they're just not there. And so, it's you know, it, it's really 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 disheartening. And I feel I feel bad for everyone out there trying to get still in some ways in Ohio still trying to get you know beans in the ground at this you know even at this late date. So it's really something. It's hard to believe to be honest with you. Yeah, the landscape looks just so different <laughs> this year. And, and you use the word variable in Illinois, and I would agree with that. I was thinking about this as I've been driving around. Uh, yeah. And how every now and then you'll see a field that really looks pretty good, especially for this year. And you know it got in early, and it it, it avoided some of the really uh, bad weather uh, and the really heaviest rains, and it really stands out because it's while not where it would normally be for this time of year, it's closer than so many of those other fields. As you said, I, I mentioned this yesterday. You can look across the field, uh, across the road from a field that doesn't look too bad to a field that the corn's barely up or, or really short, and it's just amazing how much variability oh. there there is. Uh, let's talk yeah. about market reaction to that, and sure. uh, wow. All the controversy and the angst over USDA's acreage numbers uh, last week yep. uh, brought in all kinds of questions. Why did 
Why would they even come out with a report like that? What were they thinking? Of course, USDA now saying they will resurvey again, uh, you know, before the August report. But what are your thoughts on on those numbers and and USDA releasing something like that? Yeah, well, we, let's let's back up and think about when that report was taken. You know, that report was taken you know, right around that June 1 time period. And think back at that point, which it's hard to believe that's been a month ago. It's like it was just yesterday. But, you know, when they asked the question is, what do you, what have you planted and what do you intend to plan? And that, and at that point, and, and, I'll, and I'll pick on Illinois because it's a good example, you know, in Indiana, Ohio, you know, it looked like, you know, at that point the weather had kind of cleared and people could kind of see a window. And so I think farmers were very hopeful they would get a lot in the ground. And they did get a lot of ground in that first five to ten days of June, and so that's what they report to USDA. Now, USDA also keep in mind, you know, th- you know that's the, an- that's the question, and I think that's the answer. Now, also USDA, keep in mind, they will go through a process of looking at all their survey results, and they'll, you know, they'll account for error factors or for, you know, changes over time. So, you know, that's what they, that's where they are, and that's how they got there. We can... And I'm going to just say one thing, and then I'll move on. We can disagree and argue and all about USDA, but it is what it is. It's what the trade sees. It's what the trade traded. And, and at the same time, this is probably what the trade doesn't, doesn't believe, and so they're discounting that number and trading accordingly. I will say we believe that number is lower. We're, we're, we're closer in that, you know, that 80, you know, in that mid-80s to kind of 87 area, million acres. Um, we just think there is record prevent plant of corn out there. Um, and, and, you know, the other thing, too, is, and, and I said this earlier, I, and maybe we may even talk about this, you know, we're going to argue about planted acres all the way into August, if not beyond. Mm-hmm. We're going to argue about harvested acres all the way into probably January and yield all the way to January. Because now in, in talking to producers in that part of the country, particularly those with livestock or around cattle, you know, a lot of those fields aren't going to make it past first frost are going to end up being silage fields. And so that harvested acres number is probably going to be lower than the usual percentage. And USDA did discount that a bit, not as much as they, I think they should have. But so harvest acres will be lower than anticipated. And, and, you know, and the big question then becomes, what's the yield? So it is what it is. We have to deal with it from here. Um, and I'll just a shout out to my colleagues around the world. You know, They would love to have this sort of data to even argue about. They don't even have the data to argue about. So um, be thankful we have it, but uh, it is. I think it is. It is too high. And you look at USDA's numbers where plant intention started, where they came out in June, and then and they revised it upward here. You know, with plant with uh, acreage number in June. So you know they've moved their number around a lot too. So they they realize there's there's issues and there's problems that have to be solved, or issues with what that acreage is going to be when it's all said and done. Okay. What about some? Uh price outlook then <laughs> going through the summer uh we've seen some improvement in crops those crops that are planted we got some of that hot weather that uh, was needed to help the uh, you know those growing uh, degrees uh those growing degree units we needed and in some places believe it or not we're actually wanting maybe even a shower or two to help things along but uh, as we go through this summer how do you see prices yep no i think that's all what you said is exactly right i mean we're seeing some hot weather that's what the crop needs because it's got such a tough start. And there is some places that would like to see a little rain. And certainly a shout-out to our folks in North Dakota would like to see a little rain. Although it's a little cool there this morning. Um, you know, I think what we've seen here today, the, the market really in the last couple of days, and, and we'll say since Friday, has really sort of defined the range. 
you know, we got down to the, almost to 420 and filled the gap. And I'm talking about these corn futures at this point. You know, we almost filled that gap, but it looks like it's defined a range now from 420 to 450 that it's very comfortable in. So I think from a standpoint of what we see right now, you know, I think this range is where we're going to be in for a little bit. However, let's say that this acreage number goes down, harvest acres go down, and and I'm just going to say I'm, I don't know where that yield is going to end up. Um, it's really hard to tell when you, when you look at it. And, and I'll use the analogy. If this was May 1st and we saw the crop conditions that we see now or, or the, the, let's say the, where, the feet, where the crop is as far as height, you know, we'd probably go, well, I don't really know what the yield is going to do yet. So to think that we would know that July 1 with the crop in the same position, I think is probably a little bit of a, that's a pretty tough call to make. So I do think with the situation we have now and the potential for, you know, a frost that could hurt a significant amount of the crop that's not mature, I do think you have upside potential in the $5 area on these corn reports all said and done. Um, but we, as we have said before, we encourage people to think about, you know, managing the margins, managing their, their cost and understanding their costs and, man- and marketing according to that. Don't wait for the home run. And I, and I hope that, you know, the last couple of days have kind of given, mar- you know, producers and marketers a little bit of a start to think, oh, boy, we can lose 20, 30 cents in, in a heartbeat. And, you know, you're going to go, boy, I wish we were back to that 450. So that's why we want to think about we're in a weather market. This is all about weather. It's about supply-side shock. And as we saw just the last three days, the last two days since Friday, that, you know, markets can go up and markets come down, and they can do it very quickly. So I do think there is upside beyond the 450, even as high as $5. But I would also I would caution people to not get out there and want to hit the grand slam. Let's hit singles and doubles because if we can do that, preserve margin and profitability you live to farm for another year all right steve good to talk with you have a good holiday and we'll we'll stay in touch okay yep have a good holiday thank you very much Mike. take care thanks steve steve nicholson grain and oil seeds analyst for rabo agrifinance so yeah he he described it well variable crop conditions in in illinois and then it kind of gets worse as you go east Uh, struggle variability in indiana and some really struggles really some tough uh, conditions in the state of ohio all right what about in kansas wheat harvest is underway how is that going what kind of yields are they getting how much uh, was lost to those uh, recent storms heavy rains and hail that uh, recently hit parts of kansas we're going to get a look at that situation with justin gilpin he is the ceo of the kansas wheat growers he's going to check in next with the kansas wheat harvest update stay with us on aoa Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. I spend a lot of time in the garage, but even more time in the rain, sleet, and mud. In 95, I helped tow your moving trailer. In 05, I helped you get out of a ditch. Yeah, I know I'm a bit rusty, and sadly in 09, it was sparks from me, your handy chains, 
dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire. Sparks from dragging chains can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. It's time now for a market update here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Ahead of the 4th of July holiday break for the grains, we are trending higher in early trade for the grain and oil seed sector. Trades expected to be quiet today ahead of an early close. The futures have been trending lower so far this week, but corn stabilized yesterday, trended higher in the overnight session too, up about 1.7%. But trade volumes have been somewhat light, according to the wire talk, not unexpected around the holidays, and it's beginning to feel that way, according to trader comments. Soybean futures trending seven to nine cents higher. November new crop up eight and three quarters, 907 and a half. December corn at 433 and three quarters. That's up seven and three quarters. For the wheats, Chicago September up four and a half at 507 and three quarters, an hour into the trading day. Kansas City wheat September up four and three quarters, 437 and a quarter. Minneapolis spring wheat September up two at 538 and a quarter. For livestock, the Merck and live cattle futures, the August contract is up 60 at 104.72. October at 106.10, that's up. 77 cents. Cash cattle activity expected to improve today with the holiday break tomorrow. We could see some cash sales develop on this Wednesday. In feeder cattle, trending 95 to a dollar two lower. August down a dollar at 137.37 per hundredweight. Lean hog futures trending steady to 87 higher. August up 87 at 79.85. Despite months of efforts to curb an outbreak of African swine fever spreading across China's pig farms, the government on Wednesday saying the situation remains dire. On Wall Street, the Dow up 71, August crude oil in New York up 64. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Wheat harvest underway in Kansas. We're joined now by the CEO of Kansas Wheat Growers, Justin Gilpin. Justin, thanks for joining us. Uh, we talked yesterday you, a little bit. You told me that uh, you're seeing some pretty good yields. Tell us about it. 
Hey, good morning. No, things are going pretty well here in Kansas with wheat harvest is progressing. We've got a window of opportunity where things dried out. Combines have been out going pretty fast and furious here the last seven days, especially out in western Kansas. We're almost getting to the point, starting to hear a few things in the southern part of the state starting to wrap up. Hmm. I was going to say, how much is done now? Well, that's kind of hard to gauge, but I would say that we're probably going to be reaching, uh, as we get through the 4th of July weekend, we'll be we'll be passing that halfway mark for the state of Kansas. Well, let's talk about some of the yields that you're hearing. Well, as we, uh, you know, it's almost been a tale of two crops. You know, when we first got started, we were in that central part of the state, Mike, and you and I had talked about those fields that were affected by too much rain and saturated fields, and, uh, you know, we're test weights were a little bit affected and uh, you know we were seeing 30 30 bushel yields where you're hoping to get 50 or 60 bushel yields but boys we've gotten out west here in the last couple of days uh, those fields that had good drainage uh, they've really benefited from the cooler weather you know we're hearing reports of 70 and 80 bushel dryland wheat yields out west uh, test weights have been phenomenal proteins probably are down a little bit uh, probably pretty low uh, in some areas similar to where they were at 16. So one message we're trying to make, and, and for your listeners up north, the uh, proteins uh, right now may be, uh, once this bin, uh, crop gets put in the bin, could be holding some value for protein. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's let's break that down a little bit. Uh, you mentioned those areas that got hit by the excessive rain and even hail uh, how much of their crop was damaged or lost, do you think, or how much reduction in yield did they see? Well, in that central part of the state, there's fields that didn't get harvested, uh, just wheat that, uh, uh, you know, water just sat in those fields that didn't have good drainage. We just had so much water, the wettest May in history for Kansas. Uh, of course, flooding, anything that was in a low-lying area near creeks or, or rivers, uh, where the rivers got up out of their banks, so a lot of wheat that didn't get cut there. Uh, then we had, uh, you know, the wheat that that did uh, go ahead and get cut in those areas. You had spots in the field where uh, you had a lot of white heads where that grain just didn't fill out, and that's where you're seeing those 30 to 40 bushel yields, uh, but, uh, you know, pretty big variation across the fields. Uh, where you had higher yields and then really low yields within those fields, kind of with a field average around 30 to 40 bushels in that south-central part of the state. Overall, proteins in that area were kind of around the 10.5 to 11.5 uh, for, for percentages. Uh, now, as we moved out west, that's where yields have really started to pick up. And with those higher yields, uh, we're seeing, uh, seeing proteins drop off a little bit. Yeah, the... The situation of too much moisture in Kansas, that's not a situation you deal with every year, that's for sure. Well, <laughs> all right. That's, uh, you know, it has been, you know, every year is different, Mike. Uh, certainly this year uh, is, is one that's going to be remembered uh, for, for the extreme conditions. Yeah, when we, the, the, probably the theme with this crop always has been how, how far behind it, it's been. You know, thinking back about when we were planting this crop last October, uh, we were so wet even in October, and we had early snows in October. There's a lot of acres that didn't get planted. So we're, you know, we're dealing with a crop uh, of only 7 million acres planted, the lowest in over 100 years as as far as planted acres in the state of Kansas. Uh, And so 
as the crop through development was was delayed and behind uh, in maturity, you know, it needed moisture and it needed cool weather uh, to, to finish out, and and that's what that's what's happened. Uh, and so we've been able to have those cooler weather that allowed that crop to go ahead and fill out, and that's why you're seeing those really good yields out west. Uh, but uh, certainly uh, uh, the, the crop in the central part of the state and north central Oklahoma uh, ha- have been have been impacted by that. A scenario that a lot of corn and soybean farmers are hoping for after a slow start, hopefully it uh, a good rest of the way and, and a good finish. Uh, that's uh, you know what we're keeping an eye on for corn and soybean growers. Uh, we're talking with Justin Gilpin, wheat, Kansas Wheat Growers CEO. All right, Justin. Uh, any real disease problems or issues this year? Well, you know, when, when this crop is in the field, and I think last time we talked, Mike, we were, there was a lot of reports when we were doing our field days through the last part of May. Uh, we're seeing head scabs showing up, you know, white heads. Uh, we just had that cool, wet period during that 15-day critical time of that uh, flowering and, and turning into grain field period that a wheat plant can be infected by uh, head scab. And so there was a lot of concern about what that would mean once we went in and, and harvested. And what we're seeing now that the combines are actually out in the field cutting some of those fields where we saw the, uh, you know, potential head scab out there, is that that's more of a, it's having more of a yield impact than it is a disease impact. Whereas a lot of those whiteheads just didn't fill a kernel or a lot of those kernels are getting blown out the back of the combine. So we're not really having disease issues with that crop being delivered to the uh, to the to the elevator at this point, and so that so that would be good news. And and really from a from a quality standpoint, uh, you know, as far as test weights, it's a good looking clean crop. Uh, it, it's looking like a, a really solid solid crop. You know, even with all the rain, we're not really having any any sprout concerns or any major disease concerns. The only thing that the trade and farmers are beginning to kind of take notice of uh, is this lower protein and what that's going to mean uh, to value once this crop gets put in the bin. And that's been a, a, a point of emphasis, right, uh, the protein level? Well, it certainly has. You know, when you think back at 2016, uh, now this is going to be a year, Mike, where we're going we're gonna to probably push, when you think about winter wheat record yields from Texas up to Montana, uh, this because of the, the you know the, the moisture conditions and the, the cool weather and the good grain field that we had, it's going to be a year that we're going to be able to uh, push a lot of those uh, per acre uh, state averages on, on record yields. You know the state of Oklahoma has never had a year where they've had over 40 bushel per acre average. Uh, USDA doesn't have them at that yet, but from reports that have been coming in, uh, it looks like this could be a year that Oklahoma has a 42 to 44 bushel state average, which would be a, would be a record. Texas yields have been coming in pretty well. Kansas state average is 57, that, and we set that record in 2016 when we had really good yields across the state. Uh, the difference between this year and 2016 for the state of Kansas, though, is uh, we don't have those yields. We have those yields out west, uh, but we don't have those yields statewide because of uh, that central corridor that was impacted by too much rain. So now the marketing, right, and the challenges there. Well, it's been a tough three days for the market. It's, uh, there's yeah. so much uncertainty going on with the corn market, and uh, you know, once 
once that all gets figured out, uh, there's there's certainly uh, some challenges. Bushels does uh, will make life a little bit easier. It's easier to market a crop maybe when you do have uh, more bushels to sell. And those guys that are getting 80 and 100 bushel yields out west, that makes it a little bit a uh, little bit easier when price isn't isn't what you want. Uh, but uh, you know when we start to think about uh, what what the value of that crop's going to be as far as proteins, uh, you know the message we're kind of communicating to our growers now is uh, we don't have as much on-farm storage in the southern plains as we do in the northern plains, and so that ability to segregate and capture that that value once the crop is put in the bin uh, isn't isn't as much down south as it is up north. But for those farmers that do have that ability. You're, or those means to be able to put the crop away in their own bins or, or an elevator that is going to uh, give value for protein. Anything with 11.50 or 12 protein or higher uh, for winter wheat this year in the Southern Plains is, is something that uh, guys are going to be wanting to keep an eye on to, to try to add a little extra value to this crop. What uh, what do the weather forecasts uh, say as you head into this holiday weekend? Will the combines be able to keep rolling? Well, you know, this, uh, when we talk about this crop being a little bit behind uh, behind schedule, uh, you know, we have it's going to be uh, I think a pretty busy Fourth uh, of July holiday uh, with farmers out cutting in the fields. We've we've had a few spotty showers, but really we've had a pretty open window that's allowed combines to get out and rolling. Uh, the forecast is for rains uh, for this weekend, Friday, Saturday. So I think that uh, uh, combines and and farmers are going to want to be getting out in the fields and trying to get as much done as they can prior to those storms maybe coming back in on, on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, but uh, for the next couple of days anyway, I think the uh, combines and harvest in, in Kansas and into eastern Colorado is going to be at a rapid pace. Well, and what has been already a, a tremendously challenging 2019, good to hear some uh, some positive news, some good news, and uh, uh, those wheat yields uh, for many, especially in the western part of Kansas, sounding pretty good. And uh, appreciate the update, Justin. Thank you very much. Have a good 4th of July. Hey, same to you, Mike, and I uh, hope you have a good 4th of July and all your listeners. And, again, thanks for everything you do for U.S. agriculture. Thank you very much. Great assessment, great overview of the uh, the harvest going on, the wheat harvest in Kansas from Justin Gilpin. He is CEO of the Kansas Wheat Growers. All right, we're going to turn our attention next to soybeans. Ryan Finley, CEO of the American Soybean Association, will join us. He's been at a conference in Europe. We'll get an update on that and his thoughts on the recent trade talks and where we might be going uh, with those as far as China, USMCA, Japan, and more. So stay with us. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. 
Private health care is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready. And health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is $35,000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. 800-664-2612. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything, editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Recently on Adams on Agriculture... Pressure on agriculture, on environmental issues, has been growing the last several years and looks to probably intensify in the years to come. Let's talk about that with the CEO for the Center for Food Integrity, Charlie Arnott. Charlie, thank you for being with us. I know it certainly looks like the public at large and maybe some policymakers uh, don't feel that agriculture is doing enough when it comes to reducing uh, its carbon footprint. Now, agriculture has a good story to tell, but there seems to be a, kind of a, a disconnect here right now. Well, you're exactly right, Mike, and there are a number of things that are, that are at play here kind of simultaneously. It's a change in consumer attitudes, consumer, uh, consumer purchasing behavior, the emergence and the growth of the purpose-driven consumer. We're also seeing that lack of appreciation and awareness of what actually happens on farms, the bias against size and scale of agriculture, and a number of other factors. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section and after Dad's back injury. They helped when you were in pain, and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Trouble with opioids can start at home with unused medicines, such as pills, patches, and syrups. You can remove the risk and protect your family. Find out how at www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. 
If you suffer from heartburn or other digestive-related disorders, then there is a new, safe, better, and natural alternative to better digestive wellness and heartburn relief. Praxid not only provides relief of heartburn, but Praxid takes a 360-degree approach to support better digestion, protect you from harmful bacteria, and also balance your stomach to improve digestive functions. We like to think of it as the multivitamin of digestive health. It's the only product to combine all natural ingredients known for for the digestive health properties into a single patented product. Praxid also comes in easy to carry packs. Praxid relieves, restores, and maintains a healthy digestive system. Praxid is available here for only $39.95. Shipping and handling is free and your money back is guaranteed. To take advantage of this special radio offer, call now 1-800-829-5705. That's 1-800-829-5705. Again, 1-800-829-5705. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. We have not talked in a while with Ryan Finley, CEO of the American Soybean Association. That's because he's been over in Europe, but he's back now. Ryan, thanks for being with us. How was the trip? Hey, Mike. Great to be on. The, the trip was good. You know, when you have an opportunity to visit with farmers from Brazil, Argentina, France, the U.K., you realize that among all the troubles that we have, it, <laughs> it could be worse. <laughs> Yeah, always helps put things in perspective. Now, of course, uh, the news uh, between the U.S. and the EU, more tariffs, and uh, things are uh, uh, kind of bumpy right now. Yeah, they are. And I think things in Europe in general are bumpy as they're trying to sort through their new um, European Union elections and who's going to lead and what's going to happen with Great Britain as, as the U.K. goes through this Brexit process. And then in the middle of all of that, the United States is saying, hey, some of this aircraft business is getting a little out of hand, and we don't entirely agree with the way some of the negotiations have gone on. And so while we're trying to get to a point where we can have a, a U.S.-EU trade agreement, we have all of these side conversations that are going on, and, and one of them is the potential levying of tariffs against the EU. So it. It's a long road to hoe in the, in the European Union. I think the, the silver lining is that they're continuing to buy U.S. soybeans, and hopefully that will continue to grow, although there are challenges there with their acceptance of, of biotechnology, technology in general. So a lot, of, a lot of headwinds against Europe right now. Is their attitude towards biotech products, is that changing at all, and is there is that – are those views mostly by political leaders, or are the farmers sharing those concerns, or are farmers wanting more of that biotechnology to use themselves? Yeah, I think there's no question that some of the farmers there would love to see some of the biotechnology, and it's really a consumer perception there that's that's being passed on to the elected, and, and they've simply planted their flag and said, look, we're not going to have biotech, and as we look at gene editing and the next wave of technology, they're saying, no, we don't, we don't even want that, which is really unfortunate for consumers in that country and for the farmers as well. 
And, and what we learned over there is that it's really this next step of a lot of farmers being prohibited from using certain crop protection products. And, and I know we have a lot of canola grown into it with our neighbors in Canada and even some in the United States, but over there it's rapeseed, and they have their yields are half of what they were just a few years ago because they don't have the crop protection tools to combat some of the pests that they're facing. And so when, when you talk to a farmer there, it's extremely frustrating that they're losing the tools or being prevented from using the tools that we use every day here. And, and the next step is the government there is saying, well, if our farmers can't use it, we don't want farmers in other countries that we're purchasing from to use them either. And so that's going to become a really sticky issue for farmers in the United States if the, the EU starts placing demands on the goods that we export them. We're talking with Ryan Finley, CEO of the American Soybean Association. All right, so we come out of the G20 uh, summit with the U.S. and China agreeing to keep talking and uh, avoiding another round of uh, another batch of tariffs uh, being put on China by uh, the Trump administration. So there's an easing of tensions there, I guess, and uh, the optimism ramps back up. What did you take away from the uh, from the meeting? Well, what I took away is that uh, July 6, 2019, is going to mark the one-year anniversary of the trade war between the United States and China, and we don't have a resolution, and farmers continue to suffer, and that's, that is really frustrating. There's no question that this has been an extremely painful year. Coming out of the 2018 harvest into the planting this year, it's just been really, really tough. The fact that President Xi and President Trump met at the G20, they've kind of kick-started the, the negotiation process, that's good. That's good news, and we'll, t- we'll take that. It's a little frustrating that we saw China commit to almost 20 million metric tons of purchases between December of 2018 and March of 2019, and they – then they backed away from that. So when we were in the middle of negotiations earlier this year, China was saying, hey, we're going to buy, we're going to buy, we're going to buy. And then as things kind of fell apart, they said, never mind, we're not going to buy. And, and so we saw a 500,000 ton purchase of soybeans by China the day before, or it was announced by USDA the day before Trump and Xi met. And it was kind of a goodwill gesture. So we're kind of in this limbo of, the news is good that they're talking again, but we see promises made but not always kept with China. I keep thinking of that uh, phrase, short-term pain for long-term gain. Well, that short-term pain is now, as you said, uh, we're a year into it now. Yeah, yep, it is. And it's, and it's, uh, it's extremely painful. We don't have to tell listeners how painful it is, but it's, it is really, really tough in ag country right now. And and this is a trade war. I mean, look, the, the, the weather situation that we're facing right now is certainly not the fault of a trade war, but the trade war has exacerbated the problem that farmers are facing right now. And, and we can look at what prices were prior to the trade war in the 10.50 or $10 plus range. And we look back over the last year, um, more often than not, we've seen an eight on the Chicago Board of Trade is the first number for a bushel of soybeans. And that that's just been really tough. Yeah, short term and i guess that's in the eye of the beholder but it doesn't feel so short when you're a year into it and still can't can't see the end in sight yet uh, uh but uh, hopefully we'll get there soon well ryan good to talk with you I'm glad you had a good trip have a good fourth of july 
Thanks. Same to you. Take care, Mike. You too. Ryan Finley, CEO of the American Soybean Association. Well, that wraps up for today. We will have a program tomorrow. Hope you'll join us. We're going to talk with the chief economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation, John Newton, about the uh, the cost of this year's uh, 4th of July barbecue compared to last year. And we'll also get his thoughts on those recent USDA acreage numbers. And then uh, much more coming up tomorrow. Hope you'll join us right here on AOA. Have a happy and safe 4th of July, everyone. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual, and uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover keytar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council.